This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I'm Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, they pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I am here to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out first as pansexual and now as queer at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out. I hope in my stories and the questions I'm sitting with, you'll ultimately see glimpses of your own story and space to be with it all. So, I'm trying to practice offering less disclaimers and apologies, balanced with a sensitive awareness of what may be hard or triggering for others. So what I'll offer here is this. I'm learning how to navigate a language of inclusion that is rapidly and delicately evolving. I am not always going to get it right or best, but I do welcome dialogue and I hope, above all, you will always honor what's best for you and care for yourself accordingly. You came back, or maybe you're popping in for the first time. Hello. I I kind of got a kick out of, well, let's be honest, not kind of. I really got a kick out of Spotify's, you know, yearly wrap-up, which as is plastered all over Instagram right now, all kinds of memes over this, but really is a very, very effective and clever way of of packaging like hey we're really tracking your every move into look at how well we know you it's let's celebrate (laughs) it's been it's really fun and so even though this podcast has only been alive for like less than two months and there isn't a lot of information to track at this point They gave me a wrap-up for this podcast, and so I have to give a little shout-out here to, like, the six listeners who, with, for whom this podcast is, like, one of your top podcasts for the year. So that, to achieve that, I guess, in two months of, of podcasting feels like an honor for, for whoever you are. I I think I know who most of you are, but... (laughs) Anyhow, I, I'm really honored that anyone would, um, I guess, allow me by proxy to spend this time with you to take up this space in your day. Whenever that happens, it really is an honor. And I hope it feels a little bit like I'm, you know, sitting in the room with you or in the car with you and, and chatting and hopefully you're talking back to me. And it's kind of this conversation that we're having. Uh, so anyways, today on this episode, we are diving back into the world of dating. Yay! <laughs> Trying really hard to infuse some excitement into that yay, if you hadn't noticed. Um, so I might as well warn you, this ep- episode could come off a little um, jaded, I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but I, sh- I assure you it's, it's just a phase and I know I'll get through it eventually. It really has me thinking about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's classic five stages of grief, which, you know, there've been so many parodies of, but I might as well add my own to the mix. I mean, first of all, there's denial, like, you know, what are you all griping about? Dating is a grand adventure. I mean, think of all the fish in the sea there are yet to meet. I'm in the prime of my queer life. This is awesome. And then anger sets in. What the hell is wrong with people? I mean, there are actual healthy functioning, single, attractive adults left within a 50 mile radius. Like, right? (laughs) right and then we move on to bargaining 
Now, no, it's okay. It's okay. Like here, just, just try downloading, downloading this app, Amber. You haven't tried this one. Like I promise you, I, there, there have to be different folks out there than what you've seen. And then depression. Nope. Same profiles. Everyone looks the same. Everyone sounds the same. They're all blurring together in this awful sea of chin and boob shots and must love cats or must love dogs. I have to be 420, 420 friendly. I must be mask. No, I must be femme. Shit, I'm not either. How do I pop these CBD gummies? Uh, oh, they've got THC. Dope. Maybe this counts as 420 friendly. And I'm just gonna curl up in bed here for a while. And swat these imaginary insects off my face. Because that's what CBD gummies with THC does to me. And then, finally, acceptance. You really do love being alone, Amber. Remember? So, I know that most of what I'm going to talk about today isn't, it certainly isn't unique entirely to the the subculture of queer dating. And if you're out there dating right now, or you were not that long ago, whether you're queer or gay or straight or bi or however you identify, you will likely commiserate about the many layers that contribute to this overall dating experience. But what the hell, I'll use myself as an example because this is my podcast. Um, Here are some of my layers to the dating experience. Dating at 40. Dating after a divorce. Dating after coming out. Dating after a divorce. After coming out at 40. Dating during a pandemic. Dating in a world of apps and online everything. Dating as a rural queer person without a car. Dating as a childless, by choice, four-year-old, trying to find any other single compatible person with a vagina who doesn't already have kids this age or want them. Dating as someone who's trying to navigate all these complexities with upfront, honest communication in a world of traumatized and triggered, and in some cases, easily offended. So, it's convoluted. Can I get get a yes to that? (laughs) I, I will say, back when I was just a divorced woman thinking she was straight, and also thinking that she was, you know, 100% cis, The prospect of dating at this age, after everything I'd been through, still felt daunting enough. I mean, things have, they've they've changed in a decade since I've been out here in this world, uh, single, and my preferences certainly have changed. But adding the queerness and identity shifts to the mix, well, it's just magnified things to the nth degree. Like, shit, I'm not only tossing out one old rule book, which is really this puritanical religious influence that shaped how I always dated before marriage. Um, you can go back and listen to my episode on adolescence if you haven't already to get that story. Um, but I'm tossing out all the maps I've been handed since birth, essentially, Heterosexual norms? Nah. (laughs) Like, gendered norms and assumptions? Nope. Sexual orientation and preferences? Double nope. I am starting from scratch. And I'm starting from scratch, isolated from everyone and everything I could call familiar and home. You know, I'm surrounded by people in my living situation right now, but, you know... 
no one that really feels like home or, or community, which is not all that unlike how I felt when I was married. So technically I'm not alone, but the loneliness of being around people and not really being seen, it, to me, is a deeper loneliness than just being on your own. And I state all this as a reminder myself and to, to you if you need this reminder to just be patient, really patient and compassionate and kind with the messiness of this process because it's, um, it's a lot to navigate. It's just really easy to forget this. But for me, it's easy to get all up in my head and think, for the love, you're 40, Amber, get it together. Do you ever feel like this too? Like you're just minimizing the utter hugeness of the terrain you're navigating. I mean, if you need this reminder too, here it is. Go, go gently with yourself. My best friend started saying this to me several years ago, and it's become one of my favorite mantras. Like, I hear her voice in my head on a regular basis reminding me, please be the same degree of gentle and loving with yourself as I would be. And so, I try. Go gently. I'm rather practiced at being gentle with the experiences and emotions of others. <laughs> I know that there are people that could listen to this, recent people <laughs> that I've dated, uh, where they might, they might uh, dispute that. But um, as long as you treat me with respect and um, and some degree of kindness, uh, until I'm pushed otherwise to take hard stances on my boundaries, I approach people with as much gentleness as I possibly can. And I'm, I'm grateful for this, but it's also a two-edged sword. And that's something I'm learning rather early on in this whole dating process. Um, I mean, what I, what I mean is, as I've, I've talked about just a bit here, I think in the sex episode, um, another gem, I'm, I'm really in an exploratory phase right now with dating. It's, it, it's almost like I've got all these ingredients and I'm experimenting with cooking a dish without a recipe. I just love my metaphors, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> um, you know, so there's like a little dash of this, there's a heap of that, like heavy on this and omit this, etc. You know, what, what flavor profile am I going for here? How long do I need to stew this? How often do I stir this pot? What exactly is the fine line between simmering and burning? You know, how much, how much do I want to eat before I'm full? I'm having to pay attention to all these basic, basic cues I've never given full or any attention to before. Like, what am I even in the mood for? How hungry am I? How slow or fast do I eat? Is this an eat-on-the-go meal? Or is this appetizers, entrees, drinks, and dessert? You know, all of these things are really fascinating information for me to pay attention to um, from a dating perspective for the first time. But what makes it dicey is factoring in the emotions and preferences of others. So I'd recently come to this tentative conclusion that, at least for now, for now, what I'm interested in is quote-unquote casual dating. 
which is a very subjective term, right? What's casual to one person is not necessarily going to be casual to another. I mean, casual, at least to me, seems to imply or has seemed to imply in the past superficial. So I always avoided it because I just, I don't, I don't do superficial. Um, the catch 22, of course, is that in order to be interested in getting to know someone, anyone, and certainly to have sex with them, I need to be emotionally interested in them. So how does one keep things casual? So, you know, I've kind of broken it down to a matter of, you know, how I pace myself in getting to know someone, expectations, commitment. You know, there will be no U-Haul moving my things into someone's place within a few weeks. I don't want to talk with someone I'm getting to know every day or try to see them necessarily even every week because these feel more relationshipy to me and imply a deeper level of investment. I don't want to declare exclusivity with anyone until I know in myself that I'm only interested in getting to know this person, no one else. And I want to give myself a long runway if need be to grow into that kind of a commitment. So all those things seemed, you know, simple enough when I type them out. But when I'm talking with another human being, things get complicated real quick. Feelings get hurt when you voice your preferences. Stories are exchanged. Traumas get triggered. People withhold. Perhaps consciously or not. I think oftentimes it's not conscious, um, but, but they withhold what's true about what they want or where they've been or what they're capable of out of all kinds of fears, fear of rejection, fear of loss, fear of judgment, fear of being alone forever. It takes a while to suss all this out and the longer it takes, the harder it is to remain casual which, you know, leads me to this fun topic of emotional catfishing, which I thought I was so clever and coined this term because I'd I'd never heard it before. I mean, of course, I've heard of catfishing, but I hadn't ever heard of it used for emotional catfishing before. And I was just trying to come up with words that described how I felt my experiences had been. And I'm like, emotional catfishing. And a friend actually put those words in my mouth two before I even said them to her and I was like oh okay so this is the thing this is the thing that's acknowledged and exists I'm just late to the the game as always I don't remember being emotionally catfished before in those years of singleness prior to getting married maybe for no other reason than I'd already set the bar lower emotionally in dating cisset men I just never I never expected them to meet me at the same level as my female friends and that wasn't that honestly wasn't really conscious. I, I wanted it, but I hadn't realized how I also set the bar lower. So it was a bit harder to be disappointed or disillusioned when they just couldn't hang with me emotionally. I was also, you know, far less emotionally aware of myself then. So much less emotionally aware. I, I didn't have the tools that I have now to communicate and to know my needs and to communicate my needs, and to work through conflict, and quite frankly, had, you know, some big attachment issues. Like, I had my issues. I still do, but, like, I've worked through a lot of them now, you know, that I hadn't worked through at that point. I've had so many makeovers myself in the last decade, and uh, one of the things a shitty marriage can teach you, or a shitty relationship of any kind, is if you're open to learning, is how to get very clear on what you want and how to ask for it specifically. So over the course of like eight years, I learned to ask again and again for what I needed very specifically. Even while I was being met with nothing but, yeah, I can't. It it took me a, a long time, obviously, eight years, to finally take that I can't at face value. Just take it for what it was and walk away. And in doing so, I gave myself what he never could. And he never would. 
So I'm a drastically different version of that Amber who was dating a decade ago and the Amber that was languishing in an emotionally really abusive marriage. I know what shit I'm willing to work through with others and I know what I'm not. I know what I bring to the table. I know my worth. I know how to love myself and I know how to close doors and walk away when I need to. What I don't always know, because we can't walk into these things fully in the know, and that's the whole, you know, shtick with dating that you have to accept, is you can't know where other people are at. I can't know how honest they're being with me, how much of who they're showing me really exists or how stable they are in themselves. I, I can't know until we reach the testing point how they navigate conflict and triggers and past traumas. I can't know if I will be met with kindness and competency when we do reach these points or if I'll find myself on the receiving end of, you know, an avalanche or attack. Since leaving my marriage, I've gotten way too much practice in walking away from unhealthy situations. And don't get me wrong, it's, it is empowering and affirming to see I'm capable of this after years of believing I wasn't. But for someone who is deeply sensitive, the toll this takes every time is big. Every time I walk away somewhat re-traumatized, um, I eventually pick myself up and I keep opening my heart because I refuse to close it off in cynicism. I'm trying really hard not to do that. I just not, that's not the way I want to approach the world or people, no matter how it may come across otherwise in this particular episode. But I'd be lying through my teeth if I didn't admit I'm really fucking tired of it all already. It did not take me very long, this whole I'm finally free and able to date who I want to date and love who I want to love and enjoy sex and relish in being queer and meet all kinds of cool people. Yeah, it, it didn't take very long before I deleted all my dating apps and curled up in bed exhausted and sobbing. People aren't worth all this. So maybe one of the hardest things has been getting smacked in the heart with the reality that there are just as many queer folks as cishet men that aren't able to meet me where I'm at emotionally. They just might have a fuller emotional vocabulary that makes me think, at least for a while, that I've met a match. And so coming down from that hurts like hell, a hell of a lot worse than it did with the men I dated. Because I, I inherently thought I was seeing something that was there. <laughs> and it wasn't. And the problem is, of course, that dating as a 40-year-old, divorced, late-in-life, queer person means the people in my age demographic have also been through a load of shit in their lives. You know? And they may or may not have been in the practice of processing and healing from this shit. Or they may just be at a different place in their process, which is all well and good. It really is. If everyone's being honest with themselves and each other. But that's not often the case, is it? me while I interrupt this somewhat somber take on dating with an embarrassing bit of fluff I'm going to call a confession. This may be the most, okay, maybe not most vulnerable, but perhaps the most embarrassing thing I've confessed here so far. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Please don't judge me. <laughs> But, of course, judge me if you must. Um, I was searching for something light and stupid to watch the other night, because I'm human. And for reasons I can't 
fully explain or rationalize because honest to God, it makes very little sense to me. I picked this reality show on HBO Max called, wait for it, The 12 <laughs> Dates <laughs> of Christmas. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did say that. The 12 Dates of Christmas. <laughs> I can't even get that out without choking um, on my tongue. I know. Uh, first of all, I don't really celebrate Christmas. Second of all, I've never been seen an episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette, which is this kind of like, you know, a spinoff of things like that. Third, I'm really just not interested in straight love stories right now, especially straight love stories paired with Christmas love stories. Like, no. <laughs> and still, still, this is what I chose to entertain myself and somehow I ended up getting inexplicably sucked into binge watching this. So the basic premise of the show, spoiler alert, if you're into this stuff, is there's like one straight guy, one straight woman, and one gay man that are the candidates looking for love. And of course it's hosted at this castle in Austria because why not, where dates are flown in from various parts of the U.S. and just, like, sprung on them, like, ninja <laughs> style, like, oh, you're out on a date with somebody else, and suddenly this new date shows up in a snowman costume, you know, <laughs> like, and you just have to roll with it, and the whole point is that you're supposed to find someone that you love enough after five days or however long this takes to to take home to meet your family for Christmas, which also is not not something I relate to right now. <laughs> um, so of course people get eliminated every day, and there's you know the usual drama that you can expect on shows like this. Like, of course the the classic hot tub makeout sessions and the ball gowns with the. Th basically crotch to floor slits and there's loads of makeup and tears and there's dog sledding and downhill skiing in these classy neon snowsuits that people have never worn before because they're from LA. <laughs> Ugly Christmas sweaters on hot people <laughs> and holiday pajamas for all. So in my defense, the only thing I could think of that kept me engaged with this was it felt like this almost cultural, I mean, I know it's not real, but <laughs> it's like cultural contrast of this is what dating looks like. To, or how some people approach dating and this is like and what people's mentalities are and how they behave which is kind of all the antithesis of what I'm going for in casual dating I mean because this is a competition like you you know the premise of this is that people are nothing's exclusive you're getting to know all all, all these people in a very speedy fashion and, and then you know you might get sent home. And everybody knew, like you have to assume everybody knew what they were signing up for when they got into this, right? And and still, and still people got so f just flustered and just uppity and self-righteous <laughs> about what they expected from these poor blokes who were the ones who were going out on all these dates. And I felt so bad for these, like, three leads, you know, when their dates would basically accuse them of being a player or being dishonest because they, like, oh, kissed somebody else or they'd harass them, pressing them for, you know. But where do we stand, like, right now, right this moment? You know, now that you've known me for, like, a day, 
um, where do we stand? Because like, I need to know exactly how you feel about me like right now. I mean, I thought we had a special connection in like the 15 minutes we spent together in the hot tub when we're just like pouring our hearts out to each other. And I don't know if I can trust you anymore because you like kissed so-and-so and I just, I can't deal with that. <laughs> I'm just like, clearly, clearly people don't understand what, what the terms of the arrangement were, you know? Like the jealousy, the insecurity, the clinginess, the cattiness, the pressure, the ego, everything. I was just empath empathizing like a bit too much with these people, these three people who are trying to juggle all these other people's expectations and their emotions and how really ridiculously unfair it was for anyone to think that they could get into this without somebody getting their feelings hurt. So I watched the whole thing and I groaned a lot and I threw up in the mouth a few times and mumbled my opinions to the laptop screen like like seriously if you choose her dude you are more of an idiot than I thought you were but the end of it <laughs> typical like just cheesy fashion did make me tear up a little bit because the gay contestant ended up bringing all of his dates home for Christmas as friends because he, he didn't actually find someone that he was, you know, loved enough to bring home. And I respect for that. Um, so it was like he called it like this big old gaggle of gays um, and in his house with this very conservative mom um, who hosted them all. And one of the guys that was there, you know, was talking about how his his mom has not been supportive of him and they have a rift in their relationship and, and you know this this other guy's mom who was hosting you know gave him a gift and basically offered to be a you know a mother by proxy if he needed that and I was like wiping tears from my eyes because obviously I relate to that and I thought wow I am so gay <laughs> and yeah that's the underwhelming end to this random story of a show that you really don't need to bother watching unless you need to see a ridiculous um, example of what not to do if you're out there casually dating. Unless you're straight and that's how you do it. So <laughs> have at it. You're welcome. I was recently in a dating situation where I got a chance to practice, like really practice being upfront and honest and communicative every step of the way about like what this kind of new framework of casual meant to me and how it was evolving and what boundaries felt best. And the other person, you know, surprisingly to me was very enthusiastically on board, you know, with this, like my version of casual just seemed to really resonate with them. And they're like, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at too. And so we're both kind of like marveling at how maybe it is possible to do this well and how lucky that we, you know, get to explore what this means together and separately you know, regardless of, of what the outcome is, you know, just not having it be really outcome-based, but just like this exploratory thing. And, you know, for the first time with this person, I, I felt truly free to be honest and to state, you know, my needs and preferences without fear of attack. And I felt what I felt I was being met with safety and kindness and understanding and respect. And I just wasn't used to that. <laughs> and I was giving myself permission to go slow without, again, like, uh, 
without like this deep attachment or expectation of attachment. And then it all fell apart. And I just watched this person self-sabotage, like helplessly watch them through the course of just what turned into hours of conversation as, as if it were this, I was watching this train wreck in slow motion and I, I, I couldn't get out of the way. And it was, it was so heartbreaking because I, I knew, I knew I was witnessing this person's trauma, like old trauma play out. And I have so much compassion and empathy for that. And I knew it had nothing to do with me. But by the end of this exchange, I, I really just felt emotionally assaulted. <laughs> and it just, it hurt in a different way to have believed that this time was different. Like, and just worth knowing that, you know, this person that I had believed had been being honest with me along the way hadn't been. And so this is just another you know, example of why casual dating is just this misnomer for someone like me. Because how does a, how does a deeply empathic person do this without absorbing every other person's pain and I I don't say that as like someone that isn't aware of and capable of separating somebody else's pain and their story from my own and I'm capable of putting like holding space for someone without taking it on myself but I I wasn't prepared to be so so quickly and dramatically pulled into someone's trauma story, you know? Um, and every, you know, here's the thing, like every single person, every single one of us has trauma. I mean, if, if you're queer, you've likely got more layers to it because coming out or not, not coming out... <laughs> Um, and certainly living out in a world that doesn't like you for the most part, doesn't want you to exist um, the way that you do or at all, um, it's no walk in the park. And certainly a lot of, there are a lot, a lot of like degrees of trauma that people experience with that. And as someone who takes how I handle people's hearts very seriously. I feel like it puts me at odds with how to balance the feelings of others with my own needs and balance other people's trauma with my own. I mean, I, I hate, just, I hate hurting people's feelings. I hate letting people down. I hate unintentionally or unavoidably triggering people's past pain. I really hate anyone feeling rejected. I want to soothe everyone. And I want to be able to do all this while not abandoning myself or the truths that I, I must honor about my own needs and my preferences and boundaries and just where I'm at in my journey. And the thing is, this just isn't always fucking possible. So this is the sucky part of dating for me. People are just going to get let down. If I'm being honest, I would usually rather be the one who's getting rejected than the one doing the rejecting because I just feel like I can deal with my own emotions 
pretty competently and just more easily than I can let go of the emotions of others. But as it's turned out, I'm getting a lot of practice in letting people down as gently as I can. And it just often blows up in my face. So, you know, this is about as fun for me as bridal showers were when I was a very unhappily married woman not getting any sex. So, (laughs) yeah, dating has not been all that joyful, but it has been very informative. I will give it that. And I just, I guess I have to look at every single experience as one where I am gathering information. I'm gathering information about myself. And, you know, dating is a whole lot of figuring out not this, not this, not this, (laughs) with some, okay, definitely this, or more of this would be good, or this is getting closer, thrown in, if I'm lucky. But I think what I'm finding already in this experiment, again, of casual dating is how misleading that word is, because it sounds, it sounds like something that should be easy, right? If not effortless, like, I just rolled out of bed looking this casually sexy and clean and fresh-breathed, soft-lipped, easy-peasy, no big deal, because, you know, this is how I roll. I always wake up like this. (laughs) We all know that for, you know, 99% of us normal humans, this kind of casual look is practiced, (laughs) at the very least, like a stroke of luck on any given morning and just wake up. And they're like, this is a good day. <laughs> I'm going to roll with this rather than, you know, something that we can reliably like count on to manifest. Casual dating, if you're someone like me who's trying to do it just with like the utmost honesty and integrity and kindness towards others and myself, it's, it's actually a shit ton of work. It requires knowing and communicating what you want as specifically and clearly as possible, setting specific and clear boundaries to keep in alignment with what your goals of dating are and checking in with people as often as you need to to make sure everyone's still on the same page and navigating potentially uncomfortable conversations on a regular basis and being willing really at all times, to either face rejection or do the rejecting. I, I don't love using that word. Um, there's a, you know, a better word for that, but it, just, it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but you know what I mean. And, and I'll be honest, it's exhausting, especially when people end up not having the resources to hold up their end of the emotional work of this kind of arrangement, and it just all tips into this avalanche of trauma dumping. You know, I never, ever imagined, you know, looking back on my 20, 30-year-old self, like, what's your life going to be like when you're 40? That this is where I would be. But, you know, that, that's often how life goes, and, and here I am. I'm, I'm learning. And, you know, here's a positive I can say about casual dating right now for me. I think it's actually helping me and will help me rewire my own brain. And I, I can only hope, like, continue healing from years of really, like, attaching to people out of trauma I saw this post on Instagram from one of the accounts I follow her. Uh, she's like at Margot.feldman. Um, she's really great. 
Um, and it was essentially this series of slides with a frog meme and just a caption. And it stopped me in my scrolling tracks <laughs> the other night. Um, I think I want, I want to read it here because it just feels so validating sometimes to speak someone else's words when they just resonate so much. So one of them said, me, when I come back into my window of tolerance after the last romantic disappointment, sends me spiraling into, I'm so stupid for opening my heart up. And I remember that my commitment to opening my heart in the face of the terror that is intimacy is one of my most beautiful qualities. And then me, after I give myself space to feel the disappointment of another human not being able to meet me where I'm at. And I remember that each time I feel disappointment, I get another chance to reparent myself and heal old attachment wounds. And then finally, me remembering that I don't have to give my time and energy to people who aren't ready to show up and do the work that is fostering intimacy and feeling grounded in the realization that they don't deserve the magic that is my presence in their lives. So yeah, I, I realized that using this, these examples and using like big words like intimacy and attachment probably sound like the antithesis of what I have been talking about this entire episode and talking about casual. But the thing is, I really think casual right now as I'm trying to approach it is potentially helping me ease into attachment and intimacy from like more of a mutual ground place with people because when I go in I go all in and I don't often leave the space my heart needs to to first confirm that it's actually in safe enough hands with someone before you know I make my presence so available to them you know, learning how to test the waters with lower stakes and then close the door and walk away if I need to. Each time I do this, it's like pushing back on my little traumatized brain that's screaming, but love is scarce. This may be all you can get. This may be the best you can do. And this is the loop that kept me starved in a relationship for an entire decade. Because I, I just, I didn't think I could bear losing the few crumbs I had. And how very, very far I've come since then. And thank all that is holy because that was hell, living in that trauma day in and day out. I really get trauma. I get it. But thankfully I don't live in that trauma anymore. I don't cling to people in that trauma anymore. I don't stay in harm because of trauma anymore. I'm learning. Maybe dating in this context, as much as it bites, let's be honest again, is it's you know also giving me plenty of opportunities to practice forming healthy attachments. And when they aren't healthy, to pull back and reparent myself. And I'm learning too. I may need to take lots and lots of breaks along the way to refuel and put myself back out there. Maybe I won't be back out there online as much and maybe, well, certainly that will drastically narrow my options for now. But at this point, that feels preferable. It feels preferable to the emotional masochism that is online dating. (laughs) And... Who knows? Maybe one day I'll actually bump into a live person out in the world while doing the things I love to do. And we'll talk face to face before we ever decide to go on a date. My dating fantasy is really quite simple. 
It's like circa probably early 2000s or something. I would love nothing more than to go to this, you know, gay or queer comedy show by myself or maybe with a friend. And then just stick around after because apparently all the queer folks like to mingle and, you know, <laughs> pick each other up. And for once in my life, since coming out, to experience what it's like to flirt and be flirted with by other queer folks, like not online, not with someone I'm already dating who I know is, I already know is into me, but with strangers who see me and make eyes at me and me at them because I don't know what this feels like outside of the straight world. I would love to naturally be drawn to someone's laugh or their like coy smile <laughs> and the way they move on the dance floor, the way they banter or the way their body leans in while they listen and just feel, feel this attraction in my own body. And then I'd like to ask them out because one of the lovely things about being queer is fuck the gender norms. If you want someone, you put yourself out there. Or at least I do. I fantasize about this. And the little optimist inside me says, hold out, hun. This really is possible. Because, you know, miracles still happen. And that's really all I got for today, folks. I don't know if any of this was helpful to anyone else, but uh, thanks for being here. And as always, I love to hear your stories. I love to hear from you. And so you can find me on, you know, at To Be Continued Podcast on Instagram or at Kiss the Earth Amber. And say hi if you feel like it. Um, certainly feel free to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify because that would help me a lot. Uh, share it if you find it helpful and just have a lovely rest of your week. <laughs>